Here's a voicemail we got from a listener. This is in regards to Amy running into rude people. The old saying, you run into an a-hole in the morning, you ran into an a-hole. If you run into a-holes all day, you're the a-hole. Oh. Well, Merry Christmas, Amy. Oh. Wow. What? I don't run into them all day. Well, every day you bring us a story about running into somebody rude. Yeah, but it's yes. not all day long. I think he's implying that if you have these encounters all day long... Oh, I am definitely not. Or if you have these encounters all, all the, the time. time. But I have one, no, mm-hmm, one that mm-hmm. I shared, <laughs> it was not my encounter. I was, I was a witness at Starbucks. The Starbucks one, I was a witness. The other two times, I was directly involved. <laughs> However, I was kind. And I, I, I have witnesses of my kindness. To be fair... The two you were that you were involved in two of them, yes, and the one that you weren't involved in, people then called you that word because you called a lady old when she was sixty. Yeah, yeah I said hurt. she was because the barista she was that mm-hmm. got that that yelled at her was it, it's mm-hmm. like a nineteen year old, so she stuttering so a the, lot there, aren't you? So the age difference. I don't think sixty is old. I think sixty is a. Any age is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope okay. to be. Any age is amazing. <laughs> okay. My point with this is Amy is bringing another story in. Oh, another one. I know. Yes. <laughs> this one. This one. I'm Go just, ahead, Amy. This is one where I'm, I'm just a witness. Okay. Okay. So I'm yeah. at a red light. It's pretty close to my house. Is what I'm at all the time. Same homeless guy is there. Often, like, we'll wave at him. He's super cool. Has a Venmo. Da-da-da-da-da. Love this guy. Well, this fender bender is happening, and the car drove off. Like, this lady got straight up rear-ended, and the car that hit her drove off. Hit and run. Well, I roll my window down because I'm like, wait, what's going on? Because I see the the homeless man run over to her, and I'm trying to figure it all out. And I hear him say, ma'am, don't worry. I saw the whole thing. I'll wait here till the police come. I'll be your witness. And I was like, oh, Dang, we just witnessed someone being rude by hitting and running, but then we saw an act of kindness by the homeless man offering to be a witness. So you chased down the car that drove off, right? No. Oh. I don't think that's her job to chase someone down, though. That's how you get shot. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing that. Plus, I was at a light. There's car. There's no way for me to get out of my situation to go chase down a car. Yeah. But Heroes find a way. I thought, ugh. I mean, that's got it's horrible for that woman and that person that like. Uh, thankfully, I mean, I got into a wreck, what, a couple of months ago, and the person didn't have insurance, but they stuck around. So I don't really know what good that did me. They might as well have driven off. But <laughs> <laughs> I maybe that's why this person ran, because they didn't have insurance. So really, I guess it doesn't matter either way. But I felt bad for this woman, but I'm sure it was comforting for her to know that she had a witness. Mm-hmm. So this is a kindness story. Yeah, I originally thought, oh, this is a, I'm going to tell this is like a tell me something good. But then I realized it was an act of kindness that happened after a rude, a rude act. One, yeah. So then mm-hmm. it kind of. I still count this as a rude act. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. I think that that's a great story about the guy sticking around, but you saw a hit and run. I don't know. It seems like rude people are, are gravitating towards you, Amy. Yeah, but so are kind people because see. Mm. That I had, I witnessed something kind, and then in the other times that remember I told you where I was rude, I was kind. So kindness, <laughs> or not? I was rude, but I was. Be, someone uh, was rude to me. Yeah, I'm not convinced, fellas. Wow. Yeah, we should just set aside a segment every day for Amy's story because apparently it's happening a lot. All right, here with Tierra, which it has been a very exciting few months since I've seen you last. I mean, personal and professional. I saw you briefly at the Opry. I think you were going in. Yeah. Was that your debut night? It was. It was. And everybody kept asking me if I was nervous. And I thought that I would be once I got on stage. But I surprisingly wasn't at all. I was just like very excited because, you know, that's something that you dream of when you move to Nashville. Um, And it was just so special because I'm like really bad at taking a second to appreciate moments. And I just felt like standing on that stage, I'm like nowhere near made it. But it just felt like everything that I've done up until that point, I could just like appreciate it on that stage. So it was really special. When you played that first time, were you able to actually see people's faces in the crowd? Meaning, could you take it in? Because the first time I played it, I couldn't. Yeah. It was blurry. Yeah. It, so 
I saw my parents, um, and those are like really only the people that mattered. Um, they were literally like right in front of me, and I was singing a song that's not released yet, but it's just about like how I got into country music and everything. And it's like kind of an emotional song for me. And looked out and I saw my parents, and uh, I'm surprised I didn't cry. I really thought I was gonna cry at like on my debut moment, but I didn't. I just saw I was flipping through, you know, one of the industry. Yeah, websites and it was like Tierra signs with Valerie, yes. the big machine. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, someone was smart enough to, to, <laughs> to grab her. And, you know, obviously, I think you're a humongous star. So, how did that, how did those talks start? So, I had released Founded in You like during COVID. And that song just did way better than I thought it would have. Labels started reaching out. And I don't know, I just kind of got to a point where I was like, there's only so much I can do by myself and like radio is very important to me and that's something you can only do with a label. I had a meeting with uh, the A&R girls at Big Machine and um, and Scott and I went into that meeting and I was like this can either go one of two ways. They can either like really love me or this is going to go really bad Um, (laughs) and I just like sat down and I started singing my songs and Scott just kept asking me to sing more. And it even got to a point where I was like, I'm running out of songs that I haven't memorized. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm going to start playing some covers at some point. But he like offered me a deal right in that meeting. So I, you know, I did the whole thing and like talked to all of the labels and I just, I really loved Val, the the Valerie team because it was always really important for me to like, even when I do sign a deal for it to feel very small and like close to it and still like a family. And that was exactly what that team was. So have you had anybody cool reach out that you think's cool? Maybe a cool writer in town or an artist be like, Hey, your music's really good. So Carly Pierce and Kelsey Ballerini, they've been super, super supportive. Um, and Hillary Scott. Mm, yeah. And those were really cool for me because, um, when I was in Birmingham, I would look at all of their careers and just kind of kind of learn the ropes of Nashville from looking at them. Scott Borchetta, Carly. Mm-hmm. It's also that relationship. Yes. Uh, Kelsey Ballerini, me. Yes. There you go. There's yes. That. I remember I, I met Kelsey. She was just a songwriter. Barely. Just moved to town. And I was like, holy crap, you're good. And we used to drive around in a car all across the southeast and play at restaurants. Really? She would ride in the back seat. I'd ride in the, and we would have hurt necks. We'd play, we'd go, we'd dr- Thursday, we'd leave and play two or three shows. And then we would get back Sunday and then I'd go back I and do radio. I didn't know this. Yeah. Her first ever touring was with me. And I, w- I was like, hey, we're going to go play this. We played a, uh, a museum once for like, I don't know, nine people. Oh, it was, it was terrible, but it was awesome. Yeah. We played a mall once. Is this when she first saw? Yeah. Okay. Very first. Okay. We played a mall once and they put a tent up in the middle of the mall for our dressing room. But you can't leave the tent. So we yeah. went and played the mall. And then people just waited outside the tent. Oh, my gosh. It was like hundreds of people. And so we said, and, and we were happy because we got to hang out with people. Yeah. But it set us back on our drive to the next town about four hours. Oh, my gosh. But it was gosh. the worst idea for a dressing room, a tent in the middle of the mall. They were right. like, just hang out in the tent and we'll make, we'll, after you're done. Yeah. And we did. And so did everybody else. That kind of gives me PTSD because when I first moved, you know how people like, they'll play downtown. There's like four hour sets mm-hmm. downtown. So I never did that, but I played at the mall. I played at the Cool Springs Mall, and there were like one, two-hour sets. But it is the most, sometimes the most soul-crushing thing because, <laughs> like, people either love you and they'll, like, sit there and watch you, or they don't give two craps about you. And that was kind of a, a tough time for me because that was, like, my equivalent to playing downtown. What was playing at the mall like? You, you go and play all covers? Do you throw in originals? I would play all covers. Sometimes I would throw in originals if I had, like, had a crowd already. But mostly it was, you know, all the songs that people know. Like, I played all the Shania, Jolene, you know. Would you ever get a pretty good crowd and they would sit for a few songs? Or was everybody I would, just, sometimes, yeah. yeah. What does that gig pay, though? No tips. I would make, like, a hundred bucks. For a, couple, was, for a couple hours? No tips. I, I just played an hour. And they pay you a hundred bucks for an hour? They didn't pay me. I only got tips. Oh, you only got yes, tips? Yes, yes, yes. Oof. So when you yeah. got no tips. It was rough. The move will be, once you have a couple hits, to sneak back over and play the same spot. Yeah. And record you playing it again. Yeah. And show them side by side just to show people that are playing them all now. Yeah. Like, hey, I was playing them all a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely glad that I did that because 
I, I don't know. I'm all about, I want to feel like I earned something. And the fact that I played at the mall and I've, you know, I played at other restaurants around Nashville, like the fact that I did that and, you know, had those hard days, it definitely makes me grateful for the things that I have now. To hear the full hour long conversation that was a part of, go search for the Bobby cast, search Bobby cast on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure, if you like Tierra, to support her music and follow her on social media. Here's Amy's pile of stories. According to a new survey, the most popular place to hide Christmas gifts is in a bedroom closet. And get this, the first place that kids are going to look are the bedroom closets. So if you're a parent and you're hiding gifts right now, take them out, which I, I'm one of those. Luckily, my kids aren't listening right now, but... um. I straight up have them in my closet. I saw on Eddie's Instagram last week, he had a picture in his garage of all the presents he bought his kids. Yeah. And now, the, were those hidden, Eddie, or is that just you can't go in there? No, I think we're at an advantage here like today because when you have Amazon or all these Target or whatever online orders, they come, they just come in a box. So it's not like the presents sitting there. So they see the boxes. They just don't know what they are. So it's kind of cool. Well, yeah. in your picture, it looked like it was 10 feet tall. I would think that was presents. <laughs> no, they know it's presents. They just don't know exactly what's in those boxes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have the second most popular hiding spots just in case you want to avoid these spare room coat closet under the bed trunk of car and in the garage kids are looking in all these places so experts are highly recommending you just use another person's house if you really don't want your kids to find the stuff yeah i was gonna say you eliminated every room in the house there (laughs) experts say don't hide your presence uh, within 10 miles of your kids kids look everywhere listen when i was a kid i used to unwrap presents like very carefully and then rewrap them. Yeah, it was bad. Okay, so who will we be tipping over the holidays? I've got a list of the people you need to keep in mind. Your trash or recycling collector. A lot of people try to find a way to give them 20 bucks during the holidays. A mail carrier, same thing, 20 bucks. A teacher. Parents will give an average of about $25 that might be in a gift card or in the form of a gift. And then if you have someone that helps you out with your kids, the average tip is 50 bucks. And then there's like the obvious people like your hair person, um, restaurant servers. But during the holidays, you go above and beyond and tip way more than usual. Boy, if you tip all those people, though, you're broke. You don't have have money money for presents for the kids. (laughs) Tell me about it. This all adds up for sure. But... These are, this is just, this comes out every year and it's just a reminder. If you can, I think people would appreciate it. And if you can't, words are free. You could write people a card, oh. a thank you card. I think if they get a card at Christmas, they're going to do that thing where you grab one side of the card and you shake it up and down to see if the <laughs> money come out and none will come out. They may like you less. <laughs> oh, well, I think sometimes people just want to be appreciated. All right. So speaking of Christmas, I have the top five country songs according to Taste of Country. Okay, let's go. And at number five, Willie Nelson, Pretty Paper. Pretty pencils to write, I love you. Pretty paper, pretty ribbons of blue. And at number four, Faith Hill, Where Are You Christmas? Where are you Christmas? Do you I gotta tell you, these songs are fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't even know them. Where's like Casey Musgraves, Brett Eldridge? Where's Dana the good Shay. stuff? Okay. Uh, yeah, that's good too. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to hopefully maybe know who these people are. Vince Vance and the Valiants. All I want for Christmas is you. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. This is the original. Is this Vince Vance? Sounds and like a girl. The Valiants. Yeah, this song sucks. I okay. mean, the song's good, but this this is not good. This right. is not good. Okay, go ahead. Alan Jackson, "Let It Be Christmas." Let it be Christmas everywhere. I, I can't say these songs aren't good. They're just <laughs> they shouldn't be on the list for today. Hmm. They shouldn't. Okay, I'm getting really upset for no reason right now, and it sh- I should be in the Christmas spirit. Go ahead. Uh, number one, Dolly Parton, "Hard Candy Christmas." Lord, it's like a hard candy Christmas. An old person okay, did this list. Let me ask list, you right? this. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was this like all the aunt, all of our aunts got together and picked it? Because I can't say these songs aren't good. They're just, it's just not a current list. Let me, let me read this to you. Taste of Country put out a list of 50 songs to get you in the holiday spirit. our uncles love. Here's yes. the top five. 
Oh, oh boy. Well, sorry. Young grandmas and aunts alike all like this list. <laughs> that was Amy's pile of stories. The latest from Nashville and Hollywood. Morgan number two's 30 Second Skinny. Tim McGraw announced his new tour. The McGraw tour will kick off in Arkansas on April 29th. Russell Dickerson, Alexandra Kay, and Brandon Davis will be his special guests. Tickets go on sale this Friday. More performers were announced for the New Year's Eve Live Nashville's Big Bash. Lady A, Sam Hunt, John Party, Carly Pierce, and Ingrid Andrus are just a few of the new performers. Bobby Bones will be hosting the show. It kicks off December 31st at 8-7 Central on CBS. Brett Eldridge talked about helping others who struggle with anxiety and depression. It's it's a normal thing and... and, uh taking time to take care of yourself and also help others and and, uh, a sense of community and everybody pulling together and realizing it's it's such a normal thing and uh, it doesn't have to to run your life and and I want to be a a big advocate for that. I'm Morgan number two. That's your skinny. It's time for the good news. With Bobby. Tell me something good. I don't wear my Apple Watch that much. Do you, Amy? No, never. Yeah, I have it and I use it when I work out, but there's just so many cool things on it. Like we hear these stories about people and their lives are saved by their watch because I have one here. A retired nurse in Missouri is very thankful her Apple watch saved her life. Patty Stone says her watch buzzed because her heart rate was low and she was taken to the hospital. She remained on 24-7 monitoring until her heart was back to normal, but the watch wasn't done. About a week later, she was packing for a trip. It started to buzz again. It said, hey, your heart rate's below 40. She went back. It was second-degree heart block. Hmm. They had to put a pacemaker in, and she's like, without my watch telling me, I would have not known and possibly have had a heart attack. I just think about me. If my, When my watch tells me to stand up, I just turn that crap off. My watch would go, you've been sitting for too long. I want to throw it across the room. If my watch said your heart is low, I'd be like, suck an egg. I'm busy. So I don't know that I would listen to my watch like Patty does and good for her for doing so. But man, these watches do a lot of really cool things. Your thoughts, Amy? No, I mean, I feel like maybe I should start wearing mine more. I just got a little too addicted to mine. Like I did listen to it a lot and I was obsessed with steps and I feel like it just led to some disordered behavior. Like I would be pacing around my room at night because I had to hit my step goal. And I'm like, what am I even doing right now? I'll just go to bed. So you would just be walking around your room. Yeah, if I was in my room, yes. Why I know. not walk the house or around the house? I could, but I was already ready for bed. And if I had put the kids down, then it was just kind of like, I, you know, I'd maybe be like 20 steps off. So I would be pacing from my bathroom to my room, just trying to get the 20 steps or else I couldn't <laughs> sleep. So, you know, that kind of behavior, which is weird. And so I had to kind of just let it go. I just think if it were to tell me that, I would not listen to it. And I would think the watch was messed up. Yeah, I get That's you. it. Uh, Anyway, good story. The watch saved her life. That's amazing. That's what it's all about. That was Tell Me Something Good. You guys can call us and hop on if you'd like. I'm back in America, in the American studio, so I can answer phones again. Otherwise, we'd have to, like, set them up and get people on. But you can just call in now. If you're feeling footloose, let's go. 877-77-BOBBY. 877-77-BOBBY. As a matter of fact, Wayne in Kentucky is on the show right now. Hey, Wayne, what's happening? Good morning, Bobby. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. How can I help you? Good morning, studio. Morning. Uh, uh, yes, uh, as you know about the tornadoes in Mayfield, our local Harley dealership, uh, Wildcat, put out an email to all of its members Saturday. So I went to a local grocery store in London, Kentucky, and uh, made mention to it that I was carrying some food over there to the dealership and whenever we were checking out me and my wife they told us not to leave yet so all the stockroom guys were bringing these big carts up there completely loaded down with supplies and before we left we had two complete vehicles trunk back seat front seat completely loaded down that they donated Wow. And my wife is just in tears. I mean, you know, it's little things like that that make you glad that you live where you do. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know what? Being from a small town myself, like, everybody kind of has everybody's back. A small town can be tricky because everybody's also in everybody's situation. Mm -hmm. But when push comes to shove, 
like people have other people. And so that's great to hear, Wayne. Well, first of all, let me shout out the Harley Davidson dealership. Let me shout out you and your wife because you guys were doing it as well. And then that grocery store. And, and mention their name again because I think they should be recognized. Yeah. Yes, it, it's a local IGA. It's a family-owned over there, and it, the manager was Scott, Ashley, and Lisa. Wow. Super, super good. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And, and thank you for sharing that story with us. So we're going to talk about the tornadoes in just a second. But I uh, hope you're okay. Hope your family's okay. And, you know, appreciate you calling in this morning. All right, brother. I appreciate it, man. All right, Wayne. Have a good one. All right. Y'all be good. Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Which, by the way, speaking of Merry Christmas, I heard it for the first time. In an airport yesterday in Chicago when I was flying back. And First, like to you or just overheard it? No, not to me. Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> not to me. No, I just heard it. So I was like, Merry Christmas. And I was like, wow, how about that? First, I don't know if they weren't saying it where I was mm-hmm. because it wasn't America. Oh. I know they still have Christmas. Right. <laughs> they should. Yeah, I think so. But it's the first time I'd heard it. Uh, let's get over and do the news. Let's go. Bobby's Big Stories. Let's talk about the tornadoes, first of all. More than 30 tornadoes left a path of devastation almost 230 miles long. Did you ever see the full strip of storm that was basically all the way down the country? Yeah, I saw an image. Crazy. Yeah, from the radar, uh, tearing through Arkansas, Illinois, Mississippi, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee. Uh, Kentucky was hit the hardest. At least 90 people lost their lives. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir said entire towns are gone with more than a 1,000 homes turned to rubble. And I can go through... We're going to talk to Matt Jones a little bit, who does Kentucky Sports Radio, who has been dealing and helping on and with this on a local level. You know, he's been talking with the governor as well. And so I want to hear from him how they're doing. Not good, by the way. But what we're doing is, if you go over to bobbybones.com right now, for the victims in Kentucky, because that's where they were hit the hardest... Anything that we sell from Pimp and Joy, which is our line where we don't keep any of the money, uh, is going to help the Kentucky Red Cross, Yep, who's there now. So authorities on Saturday reported a bunch, and this is the slight, you know, positive twist to it. They reported on Saturday that there were a lot more deaths than even this morning where they said, hey, that candle factory that had been hit, some of the people weren't actually in that factory at the time. Yeah, what they were accounting for, the number they thought was, has gone down, which, yes, I mean, given all the devastation, that is some good news. If you want to help, there are many ways you can help, and our way is not the only way. But our way is if you want something to promote a very positive message and you also want to have money donated, you can go to bobbybones.com. I see Morgan's wearing a Pim and Joy shirt today. For that reason or randomly? Yeah, for that reason. So we could show that this is what you can get on there and help people. Eddie, show her on camera. Looking yeah, as radiant yeah. as ever. Wow. There she is. And I'll say this. When you wear a Pimp and Joy shirt, you just automatically, if you're a six, you're an eight. Like oh, it, goes, yes. it just makes you look better. You're hotter. Well, and it opens up. Like if you, if other Bobby Bone Show listeners are out and about, like you, it's a conversation starter. It's like, oh, hey. It's almost like you're, you're part of like the little group. And yeah, not everybody can maybe purchase that. You can give back. People need blood like you could donate blood but yeah when it comes to pimp and joy like it's an item you could get maybe even if you're christmas shopping if you shop by tomorrow you'll get it in time for christmas and it can be a gift where you give to somebody and be like hey not only is this a cool shirt that's really high quality and awesome and but all the proceeds went to help the latest victims in in kentucky Mm -hmm. so i mean it's got it's a gift with purpose the only time anyone's ever cat called me was when I was wearing a Pimp and Joy shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just time. saying, hey. It happens. If you're trying to be hot. <laughs> and there's not I just I can shirts. guarantee a two-point elevation at least. Yeah. Yes. There, there's hats and beanies and all kinds of things. Yes, there is. Yeah. Uh, bobbybones.com or on my Instagram. I put it in my stories at Mr. Bobby Bones if you just want to click there. Okay, moving away from that. We will get back to that in a second. Uh, moving away from that. A rare copy of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. That's the name of a book? The Philosopher's Stone? It's not the Sorcerer's Stone? The Philosopher's Stone is the UK version. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh. What do they do? Say that... They, they just they call re- it They reference the queen more? <laughs> no. Book, they just call it different. Is Prince Harry a character in this version? <laughs> I don't think so. A rare copy of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone becomes the most expensive work of fiction ever sold. It sold... For $471,000. On the surface, the book looks like any other copy. 
but it's a first edition that has several errors and unique properties, helping it sell for almost a half of a million, no, wow. half of a billion dollars. That's wow. crazy. 500 million is half a billion. Yes. No, 471,000. Hold on. <laughs> Guys, I traveled all day today. You're going to have to excuse me for a second. $471,000 is al- half almost a half a million. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Uh, that source is Screen Rant. If I do that today, just stop me. Okay. And say, well, I didn't know the actual say amount. Fatigue Brain. Here we go. <laughs> fatigue Brain has stepped in. Right. Okay. I know, but I didn't know the actual amount. So I was, I was like, wow, that's a really expensive book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a Missouri mom is facing jail time after she admitted to stealing her estranged daughter's identity in order to secure student loans, enroll in college, and pursue younger guys. Oh, my. Oh, I thought she was trying to pursue, like, a career in nursing or something good. Well, no, you can be 48 and do that, but that's how old she is. Laura Oglesby, 48, posed as her daughter for more than two years in an elaborate scam that fooled both the federal government and locals. I'm looking at pictures of her. I mean, listen, she looks older, but if she had a Pimp and Joy shirt on, I'd be like, (laughs) that's a hot 20. But she didn't, right? She definitely looks... At least 40. I don't know. Maybe this town's a hardworking town. They look a little older. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at pictures of her. There's no way I would think she would be 22 years old. In 2016, she applied for a social security card in Hayes' name, which she got in the mail. From that point on, she assumed her daughter's identity, saying her name was Lauren Hayes and she was only 22 years old. Where's the real Lauren Hayes? Is she still living? To, the story doesn't say. I think she's still alive. Yeah, it just says estranged. It doesn't yeah. say deceased. That's weird. Because you could probably look at something, even if you ever look at your credit history and be like, I didn't I didn't buy a, a Hyundai Tucson. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, she started seducing unsuspecting men in their early 20s mm. who had no... <laughs> uh, you Whoa, like that, me? Amy? Are you into that? No. I don't know. That I was just weird. Like, oh. that, hey, that's pure visceral reaction right there. No, I was like, oh. Amy goes, mm. No. It was, what did you say? Unsuspecting mm. men? I don't know. Amy applies for Stashira's. No. Uh, no, she's in the eighth grade. Hey, that's an investment, though. Yeah. No. Put that Pim and Joy shirt yeah, on. It's an investment. But, oh, that and the Pim and Joy shirt? Right. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Um, disturbing photos appear to show Ogles be the mom. She even had her own Snapchat account where she pretended to be her and posed an array of youthful filters. Oh, yeah. Filters. Well, that would make you look younger. <laughs> exactly. Filters. Yeah. Yeah. Is this school online? She Use moved them. in with a local couple, a pair mm. of apparently kind strangers who believed she was a young woman mm. running away from a domestic violence situation. Oh, that's... This is from the New York Post. A wild story. Yeah. Is this crazier than the person who acted like 16 and went to high school? Remember that one? That's the I craziest. Mean, yeah. When you pretend- This one is a little more elaborate and detailed in a bigger federal crime. Yeah. The other one is like ballsy. What were they trying to do they, in high school? They, they went and were a high school student. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just to go but back like to just because I can't remember to date or to play sports or. You know, it's been a long time. Yeah, I don't okay. really remember. Well, if it's to date, then the high school one is way worse. Well, this she was dating lots of people. Yeah, but at least they're all of age. Yeah, that's true too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dang. Point counterpoint. <laughs> you got me again. Okay, that's the news. Those were Bobby's Big Stories. Let us uh, grab some calls in a second. Feel free to call us, 877-77-BOBBY. We will come back and talk to Matt Jones. And then I don't know if maybe it's today or tomorrow, but I do have conspiracy theories about me that have been found on the internet that I'd like to read and go through them. Okay. Some of them are so dang dumb. The one about my height. Wait, that's a conspiracy there's a theory? Lot of, there's a lot of them. I don't know at what point in my career people just started to make crap up about me. <laughs> they knew somebody who would say this, or they're related to me in some way. But a lot of these, they're, they're all such BS. D- and, and they happen occasionally, but Mike has gathered like four of them that I will... Refute. Yes, Amy. No, I mean, I'm just very curious about the height one. Like, I, I need, I, I'm going to be patient and I'll wait. But I'm like, did they think you had that surgery that makes you taller? Or maybe they thought he was really short. Or maybe they think I'm seven foot oh, two. Oh, or he, <laughs> will, uh, <laughs> he, he wears okay. inserts. On the phone right now, one of my friends, Matt Jones, who is the leader, creator, founder of Kentucky Sports Radio, is also, as much as, you know, I love my home state of Arkansas, he's the, that guy for Kentucky as well. Uh, Matt, really sorry to see the tornadoes that devastated your state. What have you guys been doing since that happened? So we we actually, every year we take a 
tour across America and we were leaving on the trip. We were actually in Illinois when this happened and we're turning the trip into a relief fund that will launch today. But Bobby, you, you know how this is. You mentioned exactly the case, which is that I love Kentucky like you love Arkansas and the devastation is unbelievable. Multiple towns, not just hit, but wiped away. The town of Mayfield, Dawson Springs, Bremen. These are towns. Mayfield has 10,000 people. The others have about 3,000. And they're gone. In Mayfield, the water system is gone. The sewage system is gone. And the people, not only a huge loss of life, probably over 100, 100 folks, but just complete devastation. And it's going to be one of the biggest rebuilding efforts ever. And it is in American history. There was never a tornado on the ground longer than the ones in Kentucky Friday night. Went 220 miles from one side of the state to the other. What did the governor say? I know you were talking to the governor maybe on, on Saturday or Sunday. Like, what, what's the effort as far as the governor's concerned? So, the, so right now, and I know there's a lot of folks in the Nashville area that are close to Mayfield. They really don't want people there because a lot of people, and this is how kind folks are, have wanted to come and help. And I think there's going to be a time for that. But really, right now, they're still trying to do some search and rescue. And and eventually, people will need help for cleanup. But they just want folks who feel it in their heart to donate money. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. You could do it. There's an official state fund, which you can find on the Kentucky website. Uh, There's Red Cross efforts. Like I said, we're going to have an effort. There's a lot of people that will have efforts, and you can find them if you look for it. But really, money is probably the thing that's needed the most um, because it's going to be a complete rebuild of places. And right now, especially right before Christmas, there's money needed just to find places for people to stay who lost their homes. You know, you mentioned Mayfield, Kentucky. What what is in Mayfield? Mayfield's got about 10,000 people. I've done a show there many times. It's kind of known for being really good at high school football. They put uh, a high school football team that's probably won 25 state championships and actually was just playing for one a few weeks ago. And a bunch of their people came to my bar in Lexington and were there. And it's, it, it is a very close-knit small town uh, that, you know, like a lot of small towns all across the Midwest and the South, but it has a very historic downtown center of 150 years old. Some buildings go back to the late 1800s. And when I say, if you haven't seen the video, when I say the whole downtown is gone, I mean the whole downtown is gone. I've never seen anything like it. It was a direct hit on the downtown area. And the only thing left is about half of the courthouse. It's truly unbelievable. As Matt said, and we're talking with Matt Jones now from Kentucky Sports Radio, as Matt said, there are many ways you can help. And I'll mention, uh, I'll mention our way in a second. But Matt, aren't you guys doing something uh, specifically? Yeah, so this afternoon we'll have, uh, if you go to KSR, that's my show, KSRTornadoRelief.com, I'll have one. Um, if folks want to, if, if folks would like to donate, you know, we're, we, we we're, I'm right now in South Dakota, so it's been very difficult to kind of get that situated. But we'll have it this afternoon. And But I, I want to say this. All of this stuff is going to go to the same location. It's just people are using their various forums to get it up. But, I, I, you know, the easiest way I can put it is this. Everybody that listens to you, I think, has sort of a common feel. Most people listening probably have some connection to a small town. If you sort of can imagine what it would be like if your small town was gone, that's what it's like in some of these places. And I really hope folks will find it in their heart to give because it's needed. It's going to be needed in ways that, at least in Kentucky, it's the worst natural disaster in Kentucky history. And I've never seen anything like it, and it's going to be very difficult. KSRradio.com. Is that, was that it? KSR Tornado. KSRTornadoRelief.com. I missed it. I mean, I almost missed the whole thing. Mm, yeah. I almost, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know, you did your best, Bobby. I understand. You're like <laughs> Arkansas football. They do their best. <laughs> Dang. We're not doing wow. that. We're not doing that right wow. now. We're not. That's not, not the time. Yeah. We're not, it's, yeah, it is. It's always the time. But I'm not putting myself there right now. But, this is not the time. Um, we also are donating all the money from our Pimp and Joy line. So if you go to awesome. bobbybones.com or my Instagram, Mr. Bobby Bones, 
um, and you want something as well, but we don't keep any any of the money that we make, so we're sending it all over as well. But Matt has a great point. It's, it all goes to the same place. So find a way if you'd like to. And blood? Oh, yeah. I saw that blood donations are needed and various places across the country. They're taking the blood and then getting it to those that need it in Kentucky. We had a caller earlier from Kentucky that called us and was talking about donating. And I was talking about small towns. Yeah, everybody's all up in everybody's business. But, you know, if you're from a small town, you understand how how important it is to have, you know, other folks back um, because it's one big system of relying on each other. And this is, you know, one of those instances where. People got to come together because people would come together for you. So, you know. That's exactly right. First of all, it's very good of you all to do that. I, I, I saw you were doing that, and I'm proud of it. I don't. I didn't expect anything less from you guys, but I'm proud of you. One real quick thing before you go off. I, I, I did a post-game radio show for our basketball team on Saturday night, and a man called who was about five minutes from – one of the centerpieces places that was hit and he talked about how the road was closed and everyone had to go by his house and he talked about how he saw fire departments from all these small towns across kentucky coming and then the last thing he said is he saw a coroner a coroner's office with a official vehicle driving from a county three hours away go by and i want you to just think about what that means about the loss of life that there are literally coroner's offices three hours away that had to come in and help. It's truly a, just a tragic thing. All right, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio. If you're listening and you can, even five bucks, because a lot, a lot, a lot of five bucks changes somebody's life. Give somebody food, pays for somebody a place to stay, which is what's happening right now um, in Mayfield, Kentucky. All right, Matt, appreciate your time. And are you on the air today? Yes, we go on here in, in just a few minutes, and uh, it'll be we're going to, I think, have the governor again, and it'll be sort of an update about all that's going on. All right, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio. Matt, thanks. Talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. All right. I mean, when he took the shot mm. at football, I should have said, hey, I beat you in fantasy football mm. last week. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't because I'm mature. You're the bigger yeah. man on that. In that. But you're reminding let's, us now. Yeah, let's all celebrate me for a second. <laughs> yeah, good yeah, job, how, how about me? After he hangs not, up. Yeah, that's how I do <laughs> yeah. it. That's how I do it. Good job. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice work, man. Thank you. Um, again, bobbybones.com. You can find all those links or my Instagram, Mr. Bobby Bones. Um, why don't we take a second and, and break away from this? And very soon on the other side, we can either hold it till tomorrow or we can do conspiracy theories about me next. It's up to you guys. I mean, there's four. I think we could we can knock like them a, out. There's like a hundred. I know, but there's oh, four are we gonna we're going to do. No, we're not going to do all <laughs> no. hundred. Oh. If, like... <laughs> if we were going to do all of them, I would say let's wait till tomorrow. Okay, we'll do we'll, next segment? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Conspiracy. Yeah. Th- what if I came and admitted to all of them, though, and they were all true? <laughs> that would be cool. It was my last night, and I'd been living in Costa Rica for almost five weeks. It was forever. I uh, was down there working. I guess it was uh, Saturday night, and Thomas Rhett FaceTimes me out of nowhere, which is weird because occasionally he'll call, but it's weird anybody just cold FaceTimes. And I think maybe he just butt-dialed me. And so I answer it, and he goes, and he pops on. He goes, hey, man, do you have a second? And I was like, yeah, and he was at a show uh, somewhere in Florida, and he was with a girl named Emma, and he goes, hey, Emma's a huge fan, and she just wanted to say hi. So he was backstage meeting her. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, there's a picture on my Twitter and on my Instagram a story at Mr. Bobby Bones of Tom's right holding the phone up to her. And you're on the FaceTime. And I'm on the FaceTime talking with her. But I just want to shout out to Emma because I told her I would. She's from Fort Myers. She listens to the show. Uh, so Emma, appreciate you. And thought that was pretty cool. Thought yeah. Was, I thought it was pretty cool TR to do that too. I love that. Um, okay. Let's do uh, Bobby Bones Conspiracies. Here's the brief introduction. Over the past few years, more and more people have become related to me. More and more people have dated someone that I went to high school with. By the way, almost all, it's almost all bullcrap. I have more cousins than I've ever, I don't even have that many cousins because I have double cousins. That kind of shuts down the cousins thing. Because my mom and her sister married my biological father and his brother. Yeah. And so, that's not incest. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not. It's two uh-huh. brothers marrying two sisters, but it limits your ability to have cousins. Yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. normal, but yeah, it's not incest. 
Stop looking at me like that! <laughs> I'm talking to the, just the general public listening to this. Um, so, that being said, let's start with uh, conspiracies. Uh, Mike D has found these. Mike D, give me the first one. Bobby is actually 5'9 and lies about being six foot tall Whoa! and sometimes wears lifts or cowboy boots to hide this fact. Come on! I may have started, cowboy I, boots, I, I no. may have started okay. this one. <laughs> and he sent this in. Well, no one sent Yeah, and no one sent it in. This has been posted on many of the places. Facebook, message boards. Mm-hmm. Okay, I am how tall? 5'9". Five five I'll say this. That's... Ray's smiling really big because he's a 5'7 guy, 5'6 guy. Um, I've been measured on this show multiple times. It would, if I were five eleven, I would lie and say six foot. There's not a five foot eleven guy that exists. Because if you're five eleven, you just lie and say six. Foot. Oh, I'm five eleven, which means you're five <laughs> ten. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I never wear cowboy boots. Right. Uh, the one time that I that I wore cowboy boots, I was Willie Nelson to Eddie's Julio Iglesias. Julio Iglesias for Halloween. I'm not. I'm not a cowboy boot guy. Uh, so th- I don't wear lifts. If anything, I, look at my shoes on Instagram, especially from spring all the way until. Winter, I have the same pair of white flip flops. They are little platform. They are, but I'm like six two in them. Okay, but uh, yeah. So what you do do though is you are six foot, hundred percent, no doubt. Mm. But you say you're six one sometimes. But in shoes, I'm six one. <laughs> in shoes, at the doctor they measure me at six one oh. if I'm wearing tennis shoes. Mm. Okay, that's why I come back and go look at this. <laughs> but yes, no, I'm not five. N- that if they would have said five. Ten and a half or five eleven, I could have been like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but five nine, there's no chance. I'm a pretty tall guy. It is what it is. So that conspiracy, wrong. Next one. You're not really from the South, and your accent is fake. <laughs> the Arkansas story was created as a narrative, and this was done by the country music establishment to put one in their place. What? Mm. Where are you from then? <laughs> hey, I wouldn't put it past that country music I mean, establishment. You know what I'm saying? The no. country music establishment hates me. <laughs> That's the weird thing. If the country music establishment, if Music that? Row, if the executives were picking someone, I'm the wrong guy. They have always been at odds with me because I've come in and said, you guys don't even know what country music listeners want. Like you're forcing things down their throat that they don't even want. Um, I am so from Arkansas. I mean, I have a tattoo on my arm. I don't even know what to say about this because it's the only place I lived until I was 22 years old. I'd really almost never been out of the state until then. Yeah, I mean, and we've been to, we've visited Mountain Pine. We can vouch for you. You're from yes, there. I met your stepdad. Yeah, and your sister. And your they're sister. all actors. Who's, they're they're, they're all Arkansas. actors. We literally call your stepdad Arkansas Keith. Is that just next level uh-huh. thinking? <laughs> uh, the accent thing is funny because if I'm being completely honest, I tried to lose my accent for years because as I was going to college... I went to a speech pathologist who I said, hey, when I do radio, I'm going to have to move around. I need to lose my accent. So I tried to lose the effect on my eyes, which as I speak to you now, I say I, but how I grew up, I said I, Mm. or my INGs, because as a kid, I would go fishing, but now as a professional broadcaster, (laughs) I go fishing. So I did try to lose my accent, but the other way, now I just embrace at who I am, and I don't care as much anymore. Yeah, it mostly comes out if you're tired. Mm-hmm. Which I am today. Tired. I am tired, tired. today. <laughs> uh, that's a funny one, huh? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that's one I've never heard before. Next. You even have a oh. sign going into your hometown of Bobby Bones, Mountain Pine, Arkansas, population seven. Yeah, but that could have just been made up. You know, hey, what, like <laughs> how? Right. Okay. I should just walk people through my life. Uh, go ahead. Let me finish these, and I'll, I'll do a quick walkthrough. Go ahead. You are actually rich, and grew up rich. If not rich, really well off. I just wonder where the money would have come from. From your parents that were clearly super successful in Ohio or something like that. Oh, true. My fictional (laughs) from the north. Let me. This is a good good spot here to walk people through just my life a little bit. My grandmother was a single mom because her husband, my grandfather, died when my mom was eight. He died of cancer, so she was a single mom with four kids. They obviously struggled financially. My mom got pregnant with me when she was 15. So she had no money, and she had me right after her 16th birthday. And my biological father was 17. So, which I've chronicled a lot through the years of doing this show. I was raised extremely poor. My biological father left when I was five or six years old. 
So he's out of the picture, and my mom was raising me by herself and with my grandmother. My grandmother adopted me for a while. My mom, you know, raised me with aunts, and we moved around, lived with cousins, some of those double cousins. We lived together for a while. You know, we it was mostly just mix and match and have a place to live for as long as possible until you found another place to live. Lived in multiple trailers and trailer parks, apartments. It was all pretty... It was all really tough until Arkansas Keith came along, which was the first stability in my life when I was like 13, though. Um, so he worked at the sawmill. My mom, ne- I can never remember my mom working. She was a nail, she learned how to do nails, which by God, she practiced on me and it was miserable. <laughs> I would go to school with like fingernail polish still on my hands that I couldn't get off. So I don't know where the money comes from where people go like he was well off because I didn't have, there was nobody. I didn't have any relatives that died and left me any money. So that, that one's always weird to me. And I've heard that before. It's like, oh, I'm his cousin. So that one's not true. But I wish I knew where the basis of that was from. Like, I've showed every house that I've lived in. I've taken, I've taken cameras to Mount Pine. I've been like, this is where I lived with my grandma. We moved over here with Arkansas Keith. So, um, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to even. I can understand the height one because I can lie about that pretty easily <laughs> if I did wear cowboy boots. The other one's a little QAnon-ish. The one about me not being from Arkansas. and uh, But the, the money one's weird because, I mean, you know, I know too much about food stamps, welfare, Social Security. I know too much about that for it not to have happened to me. But um, anything else that we need to say about this one? No, I mean, I think we've witnessed how you're, like, you've even, you carried that until recently. And, of course, now that you're married and you've gotten better at it. But, like, for years you overpaid all your bills like companies had to reach out to you and be like, stop overpaying, but you were overpaying out of fear of not being able to pay one day. And so that way, if you had like a pile saved up through the company, like your water bill, your electric bill, all the things, like you do that because of the insecurities you felt as a child. I had I sent a note to a new therapist because Caitlin's like, you should probably go back. I still struggle with, I mean, I'm so far separated from that because I've been pretty successful now for 10 years, would you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, pretty. Where I shouldn't have to worry about that anymore, but I still do. But okay, thank you, Mike. I did not grow up a rich kid, but thank you for that that note. Next, the last one. Your glasses are fake. Your vision is good, and you only wear them for style and image. Is that one true? What's the image, though? Yeah. <laughs> What's the image? Nerd, nerdy guy, right? Yeah. Nerdy. yeah. Like, if I were going to have an image, it wouldn't... There's a lot of images I would pick before this face and these glasses here. Here we go again. Here is my story of my glasses. Indulge me for one second, okay? Yes, please. As a young, young kid, because I do see where this could come from because I didn't wear glasses for a lot of my life. So let me walk you through this. As a young kid, five, six years old, I had to wear a patch because my right eye was so bad. They said, you need to wear a patch. I would wear that patch and I got beat up on the school bus because there's a little stinky kid wearing a patch. What do you do? You beat him up. That kid was me. So I stopped wearing the patch and I was like, I'm out of here. They put a patch on my eye to my good eye, hopefully to improve my bad eye. But I refused to wear it because I was just getting pounded at school. Now my good eye was still good. And my bad eye was so bad that glasses wouldn't help it. It's still the case today. So I was like, I don't need to wear glasses. I don't want to get... When I did try to wear glasses once, the kid broke them and threw them off the school bus. I was like, I'm not wearing glasses. I'm not wearing a patch. I'm just going to be normal. So I had one great eye and one eye that didn't work at all. As I got older and I could actually afford to go to an eye doctor, they said, hey, you need to protect your good eye. You need to wear glasses just for protection. They don't help your bad eye because that's in your brain. It's not an eyeball thing. It's a brain thing. And so I wore glasses to protect my good eye. But then now that I'm older, my my good eye's not doing good. <laughs> so you have a prescription. So I have on your... one eye. Oh yeah, it's heavy. I have one eye that doesn't work at all. Prescription does not help it. And then one eye which is actually not great anymore either. But my gla- Amy, would you like to put on my glasses and? and sure. And I mean, I can me? vouch Here. for you. But also, I would say that you married Caitlin, an, an and her doctor. dad is an optometrist, yeah. which is an eye doctor, and he's examined you. And I'm colorblind, mm. which is. Th- or are you making that up too? I know, right. <laughs> I can't read anything on my papers, so if Amy has my glasses now. Oh, my God. What do you see, Amy? Oh, this is... Like, if I kept these on, I would for sure get a headache. 
and Bobby's blurry. Every I can't clearly. I have 2020 vision. No, so. okay, but no yeah, that blurry. You're blurry. Okay, good. Do you vouch for that one? I vouch. Well, I can assure you guys that none of those conspiracy theories are true. I appreciate them. I will only address them every five or six months, but I don't have any cousins. Everybody has a cousin. Everybody has somebody that knew me from back in the day that didn't really know me. My eyes are good. Didn't grow up a rich kid. You're six foot. I'm six foot tall. I think I'm six one. I'll be honest. I think I'm getting taller. You're six foot. Yeah. No, what happens with age You're is you not get getting shorter. Taller. I, I think I'm getting taller. What was the other one, Mike? <laughs> the Your accent. And my, my yeah. accent is not as thick as it used to be. I would say it's actually going the other way. Uh, okay. Thank you for all of... All, no, not Wait, thank, thank you. you. Screw you guys for putting those up. <laughs> I have to come on here and, and defend them. Uh, but that's what's up. Those are conspiracy theory- theories. Thank you very much. It's time for the good news. With Amy. Tell me something good. So this mom, Ashley Fox, was at Walmart with her son, who is autistic, and he's nonverbal. He's three years old. He saw a stuffed puppy that he really wanted. She checked out the price, and she was like, whoa, this is more than, you know, she expected. So she put it back. He had a complete meltdown. She took him out of the store, loaded him up in the car. He was still having the meltdown when some stranger came and knocked on her window, and she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And before she drove away, the stranger was like, hey, I just wanted you to know I I bought the stuffed puppy. For your on. son, I saw he was having the meltdown about it. So shout out to the stranger that helped this person out. I don't even have the name. It was just a random act of kindness. That's pretty cool. Yeah, what, so thoughtful. What have scared me if someone knocked in my window, though, at the, in the parking lot, to I be know. honest with you. That's a great story. That's what it's all about. That was Tell Me Something Good. On the Bobby Bones Show now. Poppy Harlow. Poppy, how are you? Hey, Bobby. I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Thanks for taking Go a few minutes to talk with us. And I want to start with talking about the kids' book, which we're promoting right now, called The Biggest Little Boy. Oh, thanks. Yeah, tell me first, why write a kids' book? Uh, Well, I thought I'd start with the kids' book. We'll see what comes after. No, here it is, The Biggest Little Boy, A Christmas Story. Thank you for having me. What a joy. Your story is amazing, by the way. So I hope we can turn the table one day and have you on our show on CNN. Uh, Look, this story happened. Luca, my little son, who's three and a half now, when he was a baby, almost pulled over this huge Christmas tree uh, in a Christmas tree market in Brooklyn where we live. And when the ensuing chaos ended, I thought that's a great kids book to teach kids there's joy in little things. We don't need all this big stuff. And so I put pen to paper and an amazing team made it happen. But it's been like two and a half years in the making. So it sounds like it's it's a Christmas book, but there's a, a bigger message than just totally. about a tree. What what is this overarching message here that you think kids will get from it? The message that I hope they get is I you know I'm I'm from Minnesota, and so um, I look I'm trying to raise kids in New York City and teach them that they don't need all this big stuff and try to bring some of what I grew up with in Minnesota to New York City. So that's the lesson: is there's joy in little things, and we don't need all of these big things. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because you know, how you grew up and where you grew up to now, I would think that as you were getting, uh, you know, having more success in your career, you were like, man, if I can just get this this anchor job and make more money, I would just be happier. Or if I could just move to New York City. And then you get there, and I've, I've experienced some of my life too because I grew up extremely poor and going, man, if I could just... But, you know, the more you get it isn't actually the happier you are, and it's taken me this long to learn that. Yeah. Oh, you nailed it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you lost your mom at 49. Is that right? Uh, yeah, she was in her 40s when she died. That's correct. And my, and my dad was 49 when he died. And that's the reason I bring this up is because that's what it taught me. Life is so short. And when he died, no one talked about the he was a lawyer, the cases that he won or, you know, money that he made. He, they talked about the effect he had on them and the person he was. Right. And so with such a short life possible for for so many of us and life being so precious i wanted to send the message that like the joy is not in the stuff the joy is in the being you know with this book how close like the, the illustration does it look like your son no no so this is for people who can see us this is illustrated by the remarkable ramona kalitsky i'm not like she made this book sing she blew me away she made the story come off the pages and come alive this does not look like Luca. Luca has blonde hair. Uh, our family in this book is a mixed race family. And I wanted 
look, I, it looks like our block in Brooklyn. It looks like my kid's school. I wanted more children to see themselves in this book and to think that could be me, that could be my family. Does he think it's cool that his name, how old is Luca now? No. Okay. Luca does not think the book is cool. Luca is three and a half. <laughs> and when I tried to read it to him, he said, I want the dinosaur book. Sienna, my five and a half year old is furious that the book's not about her. So note to parents, do not write a book just about one of your children. And they have zero interest in small Christmas trees and want an enormous one. So on the par- parenting front, I have failed. Did you make a promise to Sienna that if you did another kid's book, she would be involved? There is a book coming out about Sienna, so she can uh, hold her breath for a few years and it'll be there. You know, with your your, your job as being a, a really respected uh, journalist, news anchor, you know, depending on, on what you're doing, you have interviewed a lot of CEOs. What are billionaires like in person? <laughs> different. They're all different from one another, okay? So... I have met some of the most humble billionaires in the world, um, like Warren Buffett, who it's been one of the great privileges of my career to be able to interview him over the last decade multiple times. And then I've met not so humble billionaires. what What I will say is that money is not what defines them. It's their humanity, right? And like I can tell within an instant when I sit down with one how they're going to be. And what interest do they take in the people around them and not just in their own success? But I'll tell you, like, I mean, I interviewed Warren Buffett first when I was like in my 20s. I had just started here at CNN and I was terrified. And I walked up to him at a conference and I said, I'm Poppy. You have no idea who I am, but can I get five minutes with you? And it was in the middle of the financial crisis. And he said, yes. So I, you know, him saying yes and the, the, you know, not being scared to just ask has really driven a lot of my career. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? They can say no. All right, next, move on. Have you interviewed Zuckerberg? I have interviewed Mark Zuckerberg. Not recently. I've been trying to interview him, obviously, recently, um, but they're not really doing any interviews right now. But that's an important interview. I hope he sits down with me or someone soon and answers some important questions. Can you confirm he is a real human? He is. I interviewed him in his house. So he has a home. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to believe he could be a real human being. Wow. He is. Um, is it true? And I, I, I saw this, so forgive me if this question is inappropriate or gross that you had to wear a diaper when you interviewed yes! me. Oh, okay. I'm glad <laughs> I didn't even, cause when I saw this, I was like, I don't even know if I want to ask this, but I have, okay. Is I it, let asking. me finish this. Is it true? You had to wear a diaper to interview Ruth Bader Ginsburg because it was days after giving birth. This is true. I had Luca, uh, in February of 2018 and my college had secured this interview with this late Supreme court justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and asked me to do it. And I said, I cannot do it. I'll be having a baby a few days before that, I think. And they said, are you really saying no to a sitting Supreme Court justice? And I said, I guess I am. And my husband said, what are you doing? What am I chopped liver? I can't take care of the baby for a few hours while you go do this interview uptown in New York. And I said, you're right. So I have my husband to thank for making me realize it's possible to do. And yes, women, if you're watching and listening, you know what it's like after you have a baby, okay? So yes, I was wearing basically an adult diaper and a like size large rented skirt that would fit because you still look like half pregnant. And I got to interview the remarkable RBG. And Bobby, I am so, obviously she's passed and I'm so glad that I finally said yes. I'm so glad I have a husband who encouraged me to say yes. And now I'm in law school. So there, that's what you get for that. <laughs> You know, I'll ask about that, too, because you've taken a break from the desk and you've gone back to school and and more so than I I wonder about your ambition or drive, because I know that's there. I my mind goes to do people take pictures of you on campus with their they don't they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. Um, I'm in the middle of studying for finals. I kid you not. This is my preparation guide for my final exam Wednesday. And here is my one of many way too heavy law books. Um, they do not take pictures of me. The students treat me like they treat everyone else. They're amazing. They're like so sweet. They invite me to their Zoom study groups. I have one later tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I went to look. Look, RBG helped inspire this in me. I'm doing a one-year program for um, for journalists at, at Yale Law School. I wanted to learn more like deeply about the Constitution and and the laws that govern our country, especially given the last few years. So as the daughter of a lawyer, I thought, okay, let's try this. 
What is it like to your team when they go and you go, hey, I'm going to go back to school? Are they completely <laughs> supportive? Are they like, what? Beyond, beyond. So the head of CNN, Jeff Zucker, is an amazing not only boss but human. He didn't even blink. He said, you have to go. You have to go. You have to go. I will make it possible. I said, how are you going to make it possible? I have to anchor you know, my show, our show with Jim, my buddy, five days a week. I can't do that and get, you know, go up to New Haven for class. He said, we'll make it work. And he made it work. So I, I'm anchoring every holiday, every day I don't have class. I'm basically anchoring. Um, and then I'll be back full time in the anchor desk when I graduate in May. Let me say to our listeners, if you're looking for a, a, a kid's book, also a Christmas book that, that covers them both, The Biggest Little Boy. And I'm assuming that people can get this on Amazon or bookstore, where can they get it exactly? Yes, everywhere. Your independent bookstore, go support your independent bookstore in your neighborhood. They should have it. If they don't, please ask them to order it. Amazon has it. Our website, my social media has the link. It was a fun project and a lot of fun. Thank you for having me, Bobby. This is the first I've heard that Amazon's not an independent bookstore because I've been led astray then. Have you? Yes. Have you met uh, Bezos? I have met Jeff Bezos. I have. I have been at a dinner a CEO dinner, a lot of billionaires at the dinner where he was. Uh, and I, I tried to get an interview with him. We did a whole, uh, my colleague, Jessica Small, and I did a whole documentary on Amazon and tried to get an interview with him for it. We didn't, but I interviewed Andy Jassy for it. And he's the new CEO of Amazon, who was, who was a great and fascinating interview. So does he maybe go, I'll go to space. Yeah. Does maybe he go to I'll space? That's who I want. I want the space people. Okay, uh, Poppy Harlow, thank you. You guys check out The Biggest Little Boy. It's a story inspired by her own son and has a message that hopefully will inspire you and your kids the same. Uh, Poppy, it's been a real treat. Thank you, and hopefully I will see you soon. See you soon. Thanks, Bobby. Bye-bye. It's time for the good news. With Lunchbox. Tell me something good. A call comes in to the Chicago Fire Department. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, where's the fire in the apartment building? They show up and it's up on the fifth story and they're looking and there's a cat in the window. They're like, oh no, what are we gonna do? And the cat says, don't worry about it and jumps. Wait, the cat says, don't worry about it? I mean, basically, looks at him, says, hey, don't worry about coming up here, I got it. Waves at him and launches. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. The cat then waved at the fire? Yeah, like, move out of the way. Like, get out of the way, I'm coming down. And the cat jumps from the fifth story. Boom! Bounces off the ground and walks away. <laughs> what? For, okay, he like took that. a lot of creative liberties with this. However, the cat jumped and lived from yeah, five they, stories up. Five stories up. You know, they say it has nine lives. There goes one of it because it jumped literally in, in the video. It bounces off the ground and gets up and goes boop, 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 and goes find some milk. Okay, you making that up. <laughs> There's no way that's in the story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no, the cat can see walking away, stretching its paws, being happy. No, now that... No, it says it. It's now that I believe. Yeah. It went to the grocery store, <laughs> bought it some milk, and enjoyed it all Talked to its cat's brothers and sisters. <laughs> went and got some catnip. <laughs> Waved by. That's crazy that a cat can live after... Uh, yeah. I would think about three would be the max. But 50 feet, a 50 feet fall? Dang. Okay, good for that cat. That's what it's all about. That was Tell Me Something Good. Bobby Bone Show. Bonehead. Story of the day. This story comes to us from Japan. It turns out when they built the hospital 30 years ago, they accidentally connected the toilet water to the drinking water line. 30 years ago? 30 years ago. So they've been drinking toilet water oh, no. for 30 years. But let me ask this. What's the real difference? Uh, Excuse me? I mean... That's a great question. You're kind of right. Meaning because isn't toilet water treated? Like, doesn't it come in as water? Oh, I didn't think toilet water was the clean kind of water no, that you can drink. it's what fills back up the toilet <laughs> with clean. I don't think you're getting the what's being flushed. Right, I think you're, you're getting, getting what's coming y- up. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's disgusting to me. <laughs> that's <laughs> I, so gross. I don't care any way you spin it. Ugh. I uh, agree there's probably something to it if it's a bonehead story of the day. But I felt like all the water coming through the pipe, sink water, oh, that's a good toilet water, Ooh. like was all coming from the same source. It just gets treated differently at some point. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, you might be right on that. But it wouldn't be a big story if it, were gro- if it weren't gross. Right. Yeah, they said they were doing some remodeling when they discovered the mess up that the <laughs> wrong pipes had been connected. Oh, my gosh. Just maybe it's not treated the same as the drinking water. Mm-hmm. Do you tell all the patients like... Uh, 30 years. There's 30 years. It's <laughs> a lot of patients. <laughs> hey, speaking of that and patients... Amy kind of has a bonehead where 
We'll just say it was a, a doctor, a therapeutic place that you go to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they got a new office manager. So that office manager sent out an email introducing herself and talking about booking future appointments, blah, blah, blah. You can go through her. Well, she, instead of BCCing people, blind copying everyone that's been there, or at least the batch she was oh, sending no. out at that moment, she CC'd them. So I can go into the CC and see everybody that's had this treatment. And not only that, I didn't even notice the CCs because I don't pay attention to that. I wouldn't have noticed, but somebody did, and they replied all, and they were not happy. And they're like, well, uh, I won't be coming back anymore now that you've leaked my confidential, you know. this Yeesh. Like, for some people, they may not want it out there that they've had this treatment. That's called getting your spot blown up. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, we gasped, and I have no idea. I'm like, oh, she's got to be mortified. And it's, it's she just got hired, but she might get fired. <laughs> Amy, did you recognize any names? Grand in there? opening, grand closing. <laughs> well, let's just say it's somewhere where. <clears throat> it would be funny if there were country music people. Yeah, that's there. what I'm saying. Well, yeah. anybody yeah. famous? They anybody do famous? go there. They do. They do go there. What? And you have their email now. <laughs> that's what he hears. <laughs> you should email them. And be like, hey, came across your email. No, I'm coffee? not going to. But um, it's somewhere where you might go to. Well, there you go. There's a double bonehead. <laughs> I'm Lunchbox. That's your bonehead story of the day. It is time for the good news countdown. It's the Good News Countdown. Counting down the biggest good news stories across the land. Okay, let's do it. Number three. New Mexico State is giving students with unpaid parking tickets a break this week. If they drop off five jars of peanut butter for a local food pantry, their fine is waived. The school is already planning to do it again next year at the end of their spring semester. Lunchbox... Didn't you not graduate because you had a parking ticket? Well, I had $450 worth of parking tickets, and they said I wouldn't be able to get my diploma if I never paid them. The problem is I never finished my last class, so on top of the last class, I owe 450 bucks. <laughs> so the bigger issue is not finishing school. Right. But if you do finish school, you still have to pay 450 bucks. Yes, they kept telling me, listen, before you graduate, you got to pay this $450. I was like, yeah, right. And then I never went back to class, so... Shout out UTSA for yeah. holding you to it. <laughs> beep, beep. Also, shout out New Mexico State University for waiving those fines. Number two. A guy named Tom Tilton has been the captain of a ferry in Seattle for 25 years. He retired last week, and on his last day, he rescued a woman who fell overboard. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been cool, though, if we don't know what that was set up. Yeah. He's like, all right, watch. <laughs> Boom. Ah! All right, now go retire. Yeah, yeah. Number one. A 74-year-old cancer survivor who runs a pot-bellied pig sanctuary in Maryland just set several records for powerlifting. Her name is Nancy, and she's currently caring for 19 pot-bellied pigs. She just bench-pressed 88 pounds and deadlifted 154 pounds. She is 74. Both are state uh, records for women over 70. The I weird mean, thing, the pot-bellied pig have nothing to do with anything. Right. Like, no, but they just throw that in for color commentary. Whole job. Yeah, but she's 74. Again, 88 pounds, deadlift 154 pounds. Mm. Pretty cool. Shout out Potbelly Pigs. Also, shout out Potbelly. Pretty good sandwich place. Also has nothing to do with this. That was the Good News Countdown. Okay, that's it for today. Uh, on today's show, we actually played back the Raging Idiots Million Dollar Show, which was us, Eddie and myself, our band, playing with Brooks and Dunn, Kane Brown, Old Dominion, Sam Hunt, Laney Wilson, Heath Sanders. It's not on the podcast, though. You can't actually hear it. So I'm just oh. telling you because you missed. <laughs> so if you missed That's it, it, sorry. If you missed yeah. it, SOL. Okay. Um, there's some stuff on the show that happens live that we can't, you know, put on the podcast. Okay. See you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Happy Hanukkah. We wish you a Happy Kwanzaa from the Bobby Bone Show.